eternal. C.S. Lewis said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, dreams of ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Wow. So I think when I look at my life, and I look at my friend's life, and I talk to people, we tend to, there's that, that eternal speech. But eternity starts today. And we can slip into the mud pile, can't we? We hear of a sickness. We hear of some disaster. And if you know, Israel's been pounded on four sides at the moment by missiles. We hear of things like that. And we, the, the way that the AI, Lord, where is this world going? My husband listened to a futurist. And the, the way that the AIs are coming in and taking over is scary. What happens? I get back in the mud pile. And I start making mud pies instead of reminding myself I'm on the beach. I'm on the beach now. There is purpose. There is potential. There is hope. There is joy. There is love each and every day. So I want to inspire us. I've inspired myself, inspire all of us with examples of some people who have grasp this. And when we say we've grasped it, it doesn't mean, as I've just said, they were always on, you know, always on the beach. No, they got into the mud pile often, but they didn't stay in the mud pile. And that's the key to life. We can't stay in the mud. We need to be on the beach. The creator, think about this, just think, the creator of the universe, we can't even say that anymore, the creator of the universes, you know, they're discovering a whole whack of more universes now. The creator of the universes, the one who created this world, had all the ideas, who sustains life by his very breath. He just needs to go, and we'd all, gravity would fail, everything would fail, the sun would, it would just be chaos. It will be one day. He, he, that God, has a purpose you and me today a dream hey so we can all go home now <laughs> let's think about a few more people so I want to be talk about people here today and I'm probably embarrassed them but Glendon and Candace Glendon has a full-time job they have three children ranging from five to ten three to ten there we go three to nine <laughs> almost right and they lead Hope's Lee Church. They are our lead elders. Glendon preaches a heck of a lot. He goes to board meetings. He was in Kamati Port that he got to see in Gwenya, but never mind. He goes to Kamati Port. He's off to the U.S. soon and a bit of Holland on the way. Why would he carry on worrying about this little church, and we are little, and the community here? Why? Because he has God's dream. They have God's dream. And they're prepared to go through the slog and the mud and step out again and say, God, you've called us. We can do this. I look at Mike. Why the heck would he want to run Cara Glen today? 
I mean, whatever for, Michael. Go home and have a relax. You know, really. Because he has a dream. He wants to touch. He wants, uh, through us and through Hope City, with God, with his Holy Spirit, to touch the community. The alarm went off here, I think it was about seven. Hey, Vas, I thought these guys are here already. Why would these guys, why would they come every morning at seven? Why would they spend Thursday night practicing? And oh, shame for us, you know, really, we've got to get here on a Sunday. Every Sunday they expect to be here. And they expect me to go to life group, really? Guys, we've got a dream. Yeah. We've got a dream big. And God will equip us. God will encourage us. And we won't sit in the mud. We'll step out. We'll step out. So let's, when we look back today, if I, I mean, we could carry on. I could name people in the city. I could name people in South Africa. I could name people in the world. There are so many who have grasped this dream and are living it out. Why can't every single one of us? They're ordinary people, guys. I promise you, Glenn and Candace, they're ordinary. They've even got some warts and horrible things. But then they're God's chosen. They have a dream. I could look back in history. We've just been doing in Bible study, we've been doing the, the how we got this Bible in our hands. Do you know how amazing it is that we have the Bible? And if you, when you read Isaiah, do you know it's exactly the same? Okay, it's in English, but it's exactly the same as the Hebrew copy made like 3,000 years ago. Why? Because men and women had a dream to see this word carry on, and we get to read it today. Tyndale, heard of Tyndale? He died at the stake because he was a heretic. You know what he did? He translated the Bible into English. That is why he died at the stake. Why would you want to die at a stake, man? Just be quiet. Because they tried over and over again. He just wouldn't listen. He kept on. They burned his books. He'd rewrite it. They burned his books. He'd rewrite it. So eventually they killed him. They burned him at the stake for heresy. Why? Because they have a dream. A God-given dream. And I want to mention one lady briefly. Why briefly? Because there's very little about her. But where if you go, there's a lady called Anna. Who knows about Anna? She inspires me. Everyone like, Anna? Where's Anna? Well, you know, it's about this little bit of scripture in Luke 2. Only place it's mentioned. This lady got married when she was, most of them would get married at about 15. So she was say like, but plus minus 15, not older than 20, definitely. She was married for seven years and then she was made a widow. Oh, what did I do? <laughs> she was made a widow. <laughs> that was hilarious. I don't think I did anything. <laughs> I'll be. <laughs> You're all awake. Obviously, some of you need to wake up. Chop, chop. Attention, please. <laughs> She was a and widowed at, when she was after seven years of marriage. So let's say she's about 22. For the next 62 years, 62 years, I'm one of the few who have been alive for 62 years. 62 years, she went to the temple. She actually lived in the temple every single day. She worshipped. She prayed. She fasted 62 years, nothing happened. 
God, what happened to the dream? <laughs> her dream, her vision, her inspiration was that one day she would see the Messiah. And at 84 years old, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple. And she saw him. And you know what she immediately did? She didn't just say, oh, good, I can die now. She went out and told everybody, he is alive and he's here, the savior of the world. God, nothing's happened for so long. Maybe you've got another 70 years to wait. That's okay. <laughs> Size. Abraham, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Abraham, if God, he was called Abraham, so, and then he's, he became Abraham. So in this portion, right at the beginning of his ministry, he's Abraham. So verse 1, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How's that for quite a woo dream, hey? That is, that's big. <laughs> that's big. Verse 4, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old, young man, when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, who was barren, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And it goes on. Why did Abram go? <laughs> God told him, and Hebrews 11, that great chapter of faith, got a heck of a lot about Abraham, but it says he went where he did not know where he was going. So when God says something, you think, but I can't see that, God. <laughs> That's okay. We can trust him. We can trust this God, creator of the universe. So he obeys, he goes, he leaves his majority of his family, his father, his mother, all those, and just takes Sarai, Lot, his nephew, and the servants and possessions that they've gathered over, that time, over the recent while. And he goes. And it's interesting that another verse in Hebrews says, verse 10, a bit on from where I've just read, he's, well, what, that I've spoke about, it says, Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking at the eternal beach. That's where his, he, know, he knows, okay, I've been called to this father of nations. I've got a barren wife, okay. Um, I'm 75 years old. I don't know where I'm going. But you've called me. But I can see this eternal beach. It was interesting this morning, Alan Frau, who's a, a, pre, a pastor friend of ours in L.A., posted on Instagram this morning, and he said that people who have that eternal vision 
are more effective in the world with people today. So that's why we've got to get this eternal vision. That's why Glendon and Candace are effective, because they have that eternal vision. It's what keeps them going. Abram gets to Canaan, and it's also lovely. No, it's not. It's dry. He moves around from place to place. He has to look for water. He has to fight for Lot at one stage. He gets, he's getting older and older, and there's no baby. Um, God, you told me <laughs> I was going to be a father of nations. He makes a plan. He makes two plans, and they both fail. Paul writes it so perfectly in Romans chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. You can put your finger there, or you can look on the screen. This is talking about Abraham. In hope, in hope, Hope City Church, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith. He did not get back in the mud. When he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Everything's against him, guys. He did not give up hope. No unbelief, verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He hadn't had the kid yet. He kept on giving glory to God. Fully convinced, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Are we fully convinced? Not in us not in our dreams, in God and his dreams. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Oh, my hat. Guys, he was an ordinary person. We get to read of the exploits. But he woke up every day and had to think about food and water and had to think, oh, she's not pregnant again. And, you know, he had just like we had. I think sometimes we tend to hyper-spiritualize these guys in the Bible. They're real people with real feelings, just like us. We are the same. Another person I want to look at. We could look at everyone. So many. We could be, so you've got till next week? We'll keep on going. Hey. So let's look at Ezekiel. Just the two that I felt to share with us today. Well, the three, including Anna. Ezekiel. He's like, oh, have you ever tried to read that book? Yo, it's wacky, eh? <laughs> he does some weird things. He lies on his side for days on end. He does, he does all sorts of odd, odd things. But <laughs> he has the most amazing visions. You know, his name means strengthened by God. So Ezekiel, also, um, he, was a, he was a priest in the temple. Um, in Jerusalem, and he gets taken by the Babylonians. The Babylonians, were, they took several groups of captives back to Babylon as they eventually destroyed, um, eventually destroyed Jerusalem. So he's been a priest. He's now a prisoner. He's in a foreign country. Yay. You know, life is so cool. <laughs> Everything I dreamed of is happening right now. <laughs> and God speak, gives him amazing prophetic Pictures, amazing prophetic pictures. Now, you might, as I, if you look at some of these things, yo, I'd like a picture that day. It happened. You can read about it just because you don't get your individual picture. 
Find out the pictures that people have seen. These are real visions. And we know, he prophesied. He prophesied. They're in Babylon, this huge nation. Jerusalem is now totally destroyed. Nobody's there. It's a mess. There are a few people there, but it's a mess. And through Ezekiel, God says, you'll go back. And we know he did go back because we know we read Nehemiah recently. And Nehemiah was one of the dudes who helped build the wall. So his prophecies came true. But in Ezekiel 1, now you've got to really just try and picture this stuff. It's, it's mind-blowing stuff. So in chapter 1, verse 4, he says, As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north. Think of a stormy wind, black clouds, lightning, and a great cloud amidst the storm, great cloud with brightness around it. I think he got his attention. Fire flashed continuously. Just picture this cloud, lightning everywhere. And in the midst of the fire, as, it, as if it were gleaming metal, he's like, what am I seeing? And he must go and read that chapter. But he gets to see these four creatures, these four living creatures. They've got four faces, They've got four wings, and, and they're, they're tur- they're, they never turn, but they're, they're moving always and seeing always, all the time. Just all the time. Very, it, the only way he can describe them is they're like burning coals of fire, and they're streaking like lightning, but he can see them. And with each creature is the set of wheels. Now, I've got a picture because... I really believe we must never be scared of science. Don't be scared of AIs. Science is slowly discovering the realities of God. So way back then, in heaven, Ezekiel sees, I think, a gyroscope. Like, have you got that picture? What? If you need an iPhone, what the heck is a gyroscope? Go and look at some of the videos. It's so cool. So that is a wheel within a wheel. Can you see that? And I watched this one video where this dude has this a long shaft reel, and on the end he's got, I don't know how many pounds, but this huge weight. And he gets this really muscle guy to pick it up. And when he picks it up near the weight, he can pick it up. He says, okay, now pick it up at the end. <laughs> so he tries and he tries, and he can't pick it up. Then they, they spin it. They spin it. So it's a gyroscope, and the gyroscope spins. You can just pick it up. And do anything with it. It's the most amazing thing. You know you have a gyroscope in your phone. Do you know that auto, autopilots and all those things and satellites use gyroscopes? How amazing is that? So we're using something that God knew about a long time ago. Anyway, that was just a, <laughs> a by the by. I just <laughs> And these wheels and these creatures work in perfect sync. Okay, so you sort of got a picture. <laughs> Darting around like lightning, eyes everywhere, looking everywhere. And just, I mean, can you imagine Ezekiel? What? He's trying to explain what he's seeing. At the end of that chapter, in verse 28, this is Ezekiel's reaction, and a bit at the end of the vision. Like the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness, not of the glory, of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, 
I fell on my face. The glory of God. That same God is here. That same God has a vision for you. That same God wants to see that vision purpose happen. What can we learn from that? Okay, it's an incredible vision, but what the, those creatures just demonstrate the power and the glory of God. There's eyes everywhere. God is all-seeing, all-knowing. He sees what's happening in, in Israel. He sees what's happening in Ukraine. He sees what's happening in your life. He sees the death of your family. He sees the sickness that you have. He is all-knowing, all-seeing, darting. Those eyes are everywhere. And those, the, 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 creature, the creatures and the wheels working in perfect symmetry, God is pure harmony. God is pure order. Our world is chaos, but God is not chaos. God has perfect order and perfect harmony. He goes on, and as you read, Ezekiel has more visions. And in Ezekiel 8 to 11, it's quite a disturbing portrayal of the sin and the degradation that is happening within his temple. Guys, within the Christian church, amongst Christians, the evil and the degradation is happening. Why? Because we've forgotten who God is. We've forgotten the holiness and magnitude and greatness of our God. And you know what happens? That he sees, picture, he sees God's presence, his glory leave the temple. First, it comes out of the Holy of Holies, and it comes to the entrance of the temple. Then it comes, it goes a bit further, and eventually goes way away. And, and, and he says, Ezekiel's like, why are you removing your presence? And the main thing in this portion of Scripture is the sin and the idols that the Christians, I'm going to use, have made. The sin and the idols that we are doing. And there's so many in this. And you can, we can take a heavy, oh, maybe don't get heavy now. But guys, we sin. When we sin, it affects us. It doesn't affect God. So let me just step back a bit. Ezekiel 48, just to show you this sin of a message, this is one of the things God says to Ezekiel, to say to the people, you have not kept charge of my holy things. You have set others to keep charge of you in my sanctuary. Are we keeping charge? Are we mindful of the holy things of God? Or is holiness not really important? God's good and kind. He is, but he's also holy. He is a holy, holy God. Well, my sins are forgiven. He's a holy, holy God. God. And then he talks about lack of dishonesty and lack of integrity. And he says, you must, you should have just balances, a just ephah, a just spot. You're cheating. You Christians are cheating. I don't want to name anything, but we cheat. We lie. We lack integrity. Now, I can be, we can be things like being punctual. Guys, that's a lack of integrity. 
Those who get to somewhere on time, you could, they must just wait for you. That's a lack of integrity. That's a simple thing. Oh, come on, lady. You're talking about being punctual. Come on. Give me a break. It's a lack of integrity. It's dishonoring those around me. When we sin, when we follow idols, when, when you get bored again, when you ask Jesus to become Lord of your life, he covers all my sin. I am forever righteous in his sight, by faith, as Abraham was. But I can lose his intimate presence. I can, he's not gone. He's there inside me all the time. But I put up my sin. I choose to put up the barrier. I choose. What does that mean? I thought, how do I explain that? It's when we, we start to think, I'm pretty good, eh? <laughs> I'm such a good preacher. Glenn, it's so lucky to have me here. Lainey Curran, shut up. You're getting proud. Everything you are, who you are, is because of what God has gifted in you. Oh, I'm such a good parent. I don't need to go to these parent courses when really I've raised my children. Have you not seen my little wonders of, of parents, of pair of children? <laughs> we need help, guys. <laughs> we need help. And so we go on, oh, I'm such a good corporate dude, you know. Look at all the money I've made and my house and my car and my lulala. We become proud. We forget that God has given us everything we have. Everything belongs to him. So if you're not being thankful, you've made a sin. You have an idol. We have to get off it. We humanize God. So we come to church. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Come on, I need to get home. Oh, it's another song. Now, even today, they're going to do worship after the preach. Good grief. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> do we worship God with reverence and awe? The privilege of worship, worshiping this almighty God. We have that privilege. And we can do it together. How awesome is that? You know, I'd much rather listen on my phone or whatever. Music's boring. I don't know. We're worshiping God. We're worshiping God. We lose our intimacy. I am not hearing God anymore. He hasn't spoken. Yes. Are we being intimate with God? Do we give him a edge in anywhere? Are we so busy filling our head with everything under the sun? God's going, <clears throat> can't get in there. She's just thinking, thinking, thinking. Give me space, Lainey. I want to speak to you. When we have sin in our lives, when other things become more important, idols. And guys, we lose sight of him. We lose sight of the beach. And we're stuck in the mud again. We're stuck in the mud. He wants, he deserves our undivided attention. To finish off in Ezekiel 47, I think we all know, well, many of us know the scripture. He, he, the, the, oh, the, by the way, the good news is that is, is he comes back. I had to say that. Sorry, I almost forgot that. That is so important to say that. 
He left the temple, but Ezekiel, a little bit down the line, a couple of chapters later, sees the presence of God coming back. What does that say to you and I today? Temples of the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we shut him off. We don't, we can, and you know what I find? I find, I spend days building that sin. You know, it's a little bit, little bit, little bit, and you know, I get more and more miffed about something. I spend days, in a second, Father God, I'm so sorry. I have messed up. I am so proud. I am so ignorant. I am willful. Whatever it is, I've been absorbed by other things. Takes a second, and he's with me. Takes a second. Just me humbling myself and saying, I'm sorry, God. Do you need to say, I'm sorry, God, today? When the tri- so this water, going back to the water. So Ezekiel sees now the presence of God is in the temple. And he sees the water coming out from the temple. Remember that story? And at first it's just a little trickle. And it gets to ankle deep. And then it gets to waist deep. And then he's got to swim in this water. Guys, it's a picture of God's presence, of God's Holy Spirit. Are you tiptoeing in a little trickle? Or are you immersed? Are you swimming? Are you drinking it all in? Because it's available for every single one of us. Not because of us, because of who he is. Guys, trials will come, are here. Life is chaos when you look at it from the human point of view. The world is a mess on a just on a it's just going exponentially worse every day, isn't it? It's just horrible stuff all around. It is so easy to get pulled back into that mud. Today and every day and every moment. Stop. Look up. Our God reigns. Our God has a dream for you. You, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter how pathetic you feel today, God is on the throne and He has a dream for you. Let's stand up. Let's have the privilege of worshiping this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords. May He envision you, allow Him to to just pour his love and his adoration on you as we adore him.